Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries, and our must-read daily newsletter. Welcome to another Highways Voices from your home of your midday highways and transport technology news service, highwaysnews.com. And today we're talking maintenance. The reality is that a lot of authorities prepare their programmes well in advance, usually a year in advance, for preventative surface treatments and other works. Those programmes now are having to be re-looked at. The M40 operator, UK Highways, have avoided one entire resurfacing operation. Filling gaps in your knowledge, it's Highways Voices. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. So hello from Paul Hutton, joined as always by my colleague here at Highways News, Adrian Tatum. And Adrian, you tend to write all the highways stories while I stick to the technology ones on Highways News. So why are we talking maintenance today? Well, I think there's been a lot of stories over the last couple of weeks with regarding maintenance, more funding for potholes, £500 million announced last week, but also a reduction potentially in capital funding for local authorities uh, next year. So, you know, we thought we'd... uh, we discussed that in a number of uh, podcasts over the next couple of weeks. What other stories have really caught your eye that we've put on in the last week or so, Adrian? There's more positive news this week in relation to funding and, and highway maintenance funding at that. So two large frameworks announced this week that are due to come on, on board soon, worth over £1 million, which is great for the industry. Costa, Eurovia, FM Conway, Volker Fitzpatrick joining the Tom and Keir joint venture on the TFL Surface Transport Infrastructure Construction Framework, which is also another positive story, and and more local authorities, despite what might be happening next year, announcing that uh, they're committing more more funds to to roads and footways as well. And of course, it just won't go away at the moment, will it? Uh, Smart motorways. In fact, I got wheeled out on Radio 2 last week to talk about it and had a bit of a tough time. I think, even if I say so myself, rather unfairly, but uh, it's really vital that in anything we do in the industry, we get the message across to the end user, the travelling public. Yeah, I think a lot of the issues with smart motorways isn't about whether they're safe or not safe. It's it's more a case of how Highways England build on communication and actually communicate what smart motorways are and how to drive on them in the right way and get that message across effectively so everyone understands that. And, and um, my understanding is that they're about to do that with a, with a new campaign, which is uh, imminent. And can't come soon enough. Anyway, we'll talk more about uh, that subject in Highways Voices to come, but it's maintenance today. Two guests in the next half hour, plus I'll give you details of next week's Transport Technology Forum conference. That's to come as well, right here on Highways Voices. Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum. So Let's get on to the guts of this week's Highways Voices topic, and we're going to talk about maintenance, which has been in the news a lot since the turn of the year, with several local authorities announcing further funding for carriageway and footway repairs. Last week, the government committed to an additional £500 million for potholes, 
But in the same week came a warning that the next financial year could see a cut in capital funding for maintenance, which could mean as much as £400 million less than the previous year. But different ways of working have led to earlier interventions becoming more important as councils move towards a more proactive approach with more accurate, detailed information driven by modern condition surveys, the catalyst. This means councils can use a range of surface treatments to treat roads in light, amber and green condition, enabling investment to be prioritised more effectively. As a result, councils are reworking asset management plans and turning to cost-effective and sustainable early interventions. So joining Adrian and me today to talk more about it is Paul Boss, Chief Executive of the Road Surface Treatments Association, the RSTA. Um, Paul, what's your reaction to last week's news that local authorities could be faced with a cut in capital funding for maintenance for the next financial year? I mean, the word has to be disappointed to hear that, that news last week. After initially being indicated last November that whilst we couldn't have a, a four-year settlement, there would be a one-year settlement that, were, that, that was on par with, um, with the current year that we're in. Uh, including the £500 million. So it, it was great to, to hear that the £500 million is, is still there and hopefully will be for the next four years. But reducing the, um, the capital block funding by, you know, by just under £400 million means in effect that we're, you know, we're only, uh, local authorities are only going to be uh, £100 million in effect better off than they would have been in, say, 2019-20. And whilst we, you know, any, any, anything's better than nothing, and particularly, you know, we're, we're, we're having more money than what was in 1920, the reality is that a lot of authorities prepare their programmes well in advance, usually a year in advance, for preventative surface treatments and other works. Those programmes now are having to be re-looked at, but the the big issue, I think, is that it's, it's, you know, it's false economy because the unit rates it would have cost for those surface treatments, leaving those roads now will mean that they will need even, you know, great, greater treatments, whether that be surface or, or actually sort of structural maintenance. And the result of that is that it's going to cost four, four or five times the cost to pay for that deferred maintenance later on. We always say that, you know, uh, we need more money, but money is just, you know, it's just half the story. It's not it's not just about the money. And actually, if um, local authorities are you know, using the tools that they've got at their disposal and, uh, and preparing programmes, then they can be they can be using those more efficient treatments, those more sustainable treatments and actually making the finance that they've got go a lot further it is a bit of a blow, but what I would say to local authorities, where you are having to cut programmes, keep your preventative uh, and your surface treatment maintenance in there, because ultimately that is going to save you much more money in the long run. On a more positive note, Paul, uh, RSTA has started the year strongly with several new members. That must be a good sign that awareness of surface treatments is starting to increase. The new members that we are getting in are going to help the the RSTA with its mission to be the trusted voice of the industry to improve the training and and, and education of both clients and contractors and further that education on on surface treatments and and help us achieve our, our goals. Awareness of surface treatments is starting to increase. This isn't something to- totally new. I think awareness of surface treatments has, has been increasing since we we moved in the early 2000s from maintenance management to, to asset management, you know, and, the, and there's a big difference there with whole life costing uh, and understanding the, you know, the life of the road. What's happened in, in, in previous years is 
we've always had the problems of potholes, uh, and there always will be to some, you know, to some extent, and maintenance, you know, on on roads that are, you know, need quite substantial treatments. Council members' post bags are are full of pothole complaints and and really poor road complaints. They're not full of people saying I've got a what looks to me like a perfectly good good road that I travel on or outside my house. And, and needs a surface treatment to keep it in good condition. You know, that, that's just, the, you know, that's just a road asset management. So what's happened, particularly with the reductions in revenue maintenance, is, is that a lot of the, the capital uh, maintenance, the block funding, has been diverted off onto potholes uh, and also onto those uh, very expensive roads that need, you know, need a lot of structural work. And that really has starved a lot of the surface treatments that would have kept the other roads in, in good condition. The difference that I think we've we've got now is, first of all, we've got we've got a whole understanding. You know, we've got a, a generation now of, of asset managers, asset engineers who actually get it, who who are understanding the whole thing. We've got a lot of innovation for preparation works for uh, for surface treatments. You couple that with the sustainability agenda. The majority of, of local authorities now have declared climate emergencies where we've got highway authorities. Their biggest generation of carbon is going to be within their highway operations. So it's, it's got to be top of the agenda to be looking at that. And uh, along with self-assessment, authorities have to think more than ever now about not just what's the most efficient treatment, but also what is the most sustainable treatment. There's so much synergy there. The two things go together, local authorities and the product suppliers uh, and and, and contractors realise that this is going to be the main area to be in. And as you say, it's allowed us to start the year strongly. We've got a lot of inquiries coming in. And, and of course, we're working with our partners in in DFT and and other organisations to assist where we can with speeding up that transition and making sure that people do use the right treatments at, at the right times to maximise the improvements that they can make to their roads whilst also being as sustainable as they possibly can. The technology local authorities have now in their asset management armory to help them understand in greater detail the condition of the road network is starting to drive real change. Would you agree with my take on that, Paul? And how is that helping inform better decisions and earlier interventions? There's more technology now to assist authorities and asset managers than, than, than we've ever had. We've got some very good technology, which allows us to see what the conditions of of roads are. I think the difference now, we're getting a lot more technology, which both in terms of of the surveys, allows us to compare one year to another to actually see what the rate of deterioration is on each section of road you know and a, a lot of things that the if you like the naked eye wouldn't see we've also got systems where we can put triggers in so that we can actually get them to generate the right type of treatments for the right type of roads the deterioration rate and the deterioration modeling is is the bigger one because ultimately there's never enough money to go around but what we have is a lot of roads that on the face of it all have a similar priority the difference now is that local authorities can use that technology to see where to target the money and with what treatments and, and, and at the right time so that they are not undertaking treatment too, too early, but at the same time are not letting roads get to the point where they then need more expensive treatments. 
all of this technology is a tool. They're very good tools. So we have to make sure that people have got the knowledge and the skills to be able to use them. What it does allow is a lot of long-term planning. So whereas probably years ago, we'd be concentrating on what, what treatments we were going to do next year or even this year, what we should be able to do now is actually have long-term programmes together. And yes, there will always be changes as a result of you know utility works and, and clashes and things like that. But ultimately, local authorities now should be able to put together quite easily three and four-year maintenance programmes, particularly of preventative surface treatments the other part that they need to match that up is that sustainable funding and know and know what they've got because you know a one-year program can become a five-year program if funding is cut and vice versa so the systems are there to be able to plan for the future and then if we can get some sustainability of funding the technology that's out there now can definitely give us a lot more certainty and, and makes the planning so much easier than it probably was even five six years ago Surface treatments could be the ideal solution for local authorities, especially given the move towards a more sustainable approach in the self-assessment questionnaires. Do you, do you think that's the case? I think that's very much the case, yes. The self-assessment for this year, which would have hit local authority mailboxes at the beginning of last week, includes some non-scorable sustainability and biodiversity questions. Now, those are this year really fact-finding questions to find out where authorities are, what tools they're using any particularly good examples, but also what they would like provided for them, what would help them to become more sustainable. We had the review of the self-assessment questionnaire paused last year due to COVID. We are expecting that to happen this year. What that should result in is next year actually having scorable sustainability questions. The evidence required there to get up to the twos and particular threes will be that the processes are in place within local highway authorities so that they actually look at the condition data that they've got and also the deterioration data and actually that they are picking the most sustainable treatments at that time to reduce their carbon whilst giving the, you know, the best whole life cycle cost. If authorities aren't, aren't looking at that, just in terms of their own sustainability agenda and declaring a climate emergency, actually this will really, really focus the minds because if you've not got those sustainable processes in place and then hopefully to get a level three or whatever will be determined to actually show that that's leading to more sustainable treatments on the ground and that information is being used correctly, then local authorities aren't going to get all of their incentive funding. And I think this is so important that, as you know, there are what we call showstopper questions in there, which currently is one, two and five, where whatever score you get in any of the showstopper questions, that's the maximum you can achieve anyway, regardless of how many twos or how many threes that you get. I would expect that, you know, the sustainability questions will be right up there and I would expect them to become the fourth showstopper question. So it's extremely important to authorities in terms of the carbon generation, in terms of climate change, helping their authority achieve the sustainability targets that they've got in place. It's a case of, of making sure that they've got those processes in place to maximise their, their funding through the incentive fund 
and of course make their their budgets go further. So it you know it should be a complete win win situation. So I can see a lot of a lot of changes coming over the next sort of year or two uh, in in this regard. Paul Boss is chief executive of the Road Surface Treatments Association, and he's the first of our Highways Voices on this week's podcast. Paul, thank you ever so much for your expertise and insight. Thank you. Highways Voices. What's on? So we're halfway through our chats about uh, maintenance here on Highways Voices this week. Just a word, though, to remind you that next week it's the Transport Technology Forum Conference. Now, the TTF is co-funded by the Department for Transport and Innovate UK, and it brings together industry with local authorities to share best practice in the highways industry. Now, the event takes place over three days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, with two short sessions each day designed to fit in with the way we're all working at the moment. It's completely free to attend and even includes an evening social event in the guise of a radio show we're nicknaming TTFM. That's a bit like Highways Voices, but it's live. So frankly, anything can happen. And you do, though, have to put up with me as presenter. Should be a lot of fun. Features great insights, including two former transport ministers, Stephen Ladyman and Steve Norris. Both of them are from Liverpool. One of them is red. One of them is blue, both in political and footballing terms. We'll catch up with their ministerial memories next week and we'll also talk to, if you're old enough, you'll remember him, the TV legend who was Michael Rod of Tomorrow's World fame, although you may remember him also from Screen Test. He's got a million brilliant stories of when he tested out real cutting-edge transport technology. There's a brilliant thing on YouTube that I'll share with you on uh, him testing out an in-car navigation system 50 years ago. We'll talk about that and plenty more on TTFM next week. So do join us for that. I'll give you some more details on next week's Highways Voices. Don't forget to subscribe to Highways Voices to keep up to date with the latest edition. We're on your favourite podcast platform. Let's get back to talking about maintenance now on this week's Highways Voices from highwaysnews.com. Let's now catch up with uh, the Managing Director of ASI Solutions, the home of Ash felt preservation in the uk it's howard robinson howard thanks for joining adrian and me on this week's highways voices just want to start off by asking what role you think surface treatments have to play as an important part of asset management programs in the future surface treatments have been around you know for over 100 years surface dressing that's the oldest most widely used surface treatment they've been there for many many years and they're essentially about managing decline really from the moment that asphalt is laid uh, we know it starts to age it isn't the aggregates in the asphalt that particularly deteriorates it's the bitumen that holds it together and over time it just age hardens and, and oxidizes and cracks the ropes start to age and they become a bit tired and worn depending on the type of asphalt and the, the traffic the levels that are used in the road they'll, they'll deteriorate at different rates other things influence as well such as moisture the surface treatments are there to try and extend the life of the road surface as long as possible the engineer's job really is to use the wide palettes of treatments that are now available and work out what treatments to use where and when so it's about really selecting the right tool in the toolbox at the appropriate time but the, the traditional way of managing the road network is accepting that road surfaces will deteriorate cracks will form potholes will form and engineers will intervene at different stages they'll try and fill the cracks and fill the potholes they'll do some surface dressing and ultimately they'll need to 
you know, resurface and replace the asphalt. Worst case, replace the entire road structure. But things are changing, you know, and I think nowadays there's a recognition that we don't have to accept that roads will always deteriorate as quickly as they, as they often do. And there's new techniques emerging which will um, help to hold the condition, you know, hold the road service in good condition for longer and delay the need to use some of these more, you know, intrusive, dare I say, disruptive uh, techniques that can often, you know, create congestion, cause disruption to the, to the road user. And Ranafelt was the original and trusted source of asphalt preservation, which is one of the techniques that, that we're talking about in the UK at the moment. What, why is it important in the context of what we're talking about here? Asphalt preservation, although it's been around for 50 years uh, in different parts of the world, it's still quite new to the UK. ASI Solutions, the business I manage, we, we're the pioneers in many respects, really. We operate all over the world, in Europe, China, Australia, Caribbean, even Africa. It's important when, if you're an engineer working for a, a local authority and you're unfamiliar with the technique, you haven't used it before, you've heard a lot about it, but you're not quite sure, you know, what it does and where to use it and so on. We look at websites with advisor authorities on the suitability for treatment. So not all roads um, are suitable for treatment. One of the critical um, parameters you've got to consider when, you, when you're using asphalt preservation is that you are effectively applying a, you know, a binder onto the road surface, you're coating the, the road surface in effect, and that will inevitably have some impact on you know, initial skid resistance. It's no different to um, you know, resurfacing for that matter. It's important roads that are treated with uh, asphalt preservation are not uh, close to the investigatory level for scrim, for skid resistance. So we'll tell authorities about that and advise them what sites are suitable or not. And ideally, use products that have gone through some form of rigorous third-party testing and assessment to ensure that it's fit for purpose. We want to really be using products that have gone through the uh, the mill, so to speak. Our product has gone through product assessment. We chose the, the BBA, the British Board of Agrimont, and their HAPAS scheme. And I should say nowadays other schemes are available, but the HAPAS scheme was, was used and is still there today. It's, it's well, well known, well respected. And our product went through a two-year trial on the M40. The M40 is the second most heavily trafficked road in the UK, underwent two-year trial again HAPAS um, certification on the back of that the entire length has been treated twice since 2007 with Rhinofelt our product now on its third tranche of treatment the M40 operator UK Highways have avoided one entire resurfacing operation so you can imagine to save quite a bit of money it works very well in their sort of life cycle planning and we've heard from you and uh, Paul about the importance of early interventions and really there's been a huge shift from local authorities treating roads in red condition to roads that are in green and light amber condition why is that happening more I don't necessarily entirely agree actually with, with the question I spent 10 years at the Road Surface Treatments Association promoting a wide range of surface treatments and the vast majority actually were used for treating roads in amber condition. Roads in red condition are generally really looking at reconstruction or some sort of very deep intervention, road recycling. But I take your point, there's a, a more of a focus on green roads. And I think it's just a growing recognition that the green roads of today become the amber roads of tomorrow, become the red roads of the day after that. So if you can actually do something to hold and maintain the condition of your green roads, hold your network condition, particularly on your, on your heavily trafficked strategic route, particularly in, in you know, congested urban areas, you can hold the condition there for, say, 10 to 15 years. Inevitably, make huge cost savings by avoiding the need to use more intrusive, expensive techniques. And that cost saving can then be used elsewhere on your network to deal with your amber and red roads. 
I told him about the tide, really. It's getting off that treadmill that everyone's on, really, which, you know, constantly firefighting. In my opinion, you don't hear enough in the trade press about that. You know, it's all about filling potholes and recycling, whereas preservation is a step earlier than that. We know that roads will deteriorate from day one, and they deteriorate by forming microcracks. You can't see them, but they're there. Those microcracks will get bigger, and they'll form small potholes that become big potholes and so on. So the engineer really has a decision to make as to when he intervenes. When, when does he make that initial maintenance decision? And if he just decides to treat the road surface with an asphalt preservation treatment one or two years before he knows he's going to get into the actual maintenance, he's then caught in time. It's a stitch in time saves nine. He'll hold that road in that condition for five years. He can then go back in and treat it again. That stage is then 10 years down the track. And then he can treat it again. So potentially he can reduce the need to do more serious maintenance for 10, 10 to 15 years. At some stage, he'll need to go and do something else. The preservation really is, is there to hold back the tide, keep the, 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 the roadsters in good condition for longer. And of course, nowadays, authorities are also keen on road noise reduction, particularly in you know, heavily populated uh, areas, urban areas. And that's why back in the early 1990s, there was a big shift away from more traditional asphalt surface cost materials towards the quieter stomastic asphalt type treatment so their negative texture if you've invested in nice quiet road network using sma of the surface cost systems why don't you want to preserve that and one of the great advantages of preservation treatments is apart from sealing the surface and stopping water getting in reducing the rate of oxidation of that it also maintains your texture it doesn't alter the surface texture characteristics. So you're going to retain your, your low road noise. So there's lots of reasons, I think, why authorities are now looking at treating green roads, which is obviously you know, the best situation for those Howard Robinson is Managing Director at ASI Solutions. Thank you for joining us and being a highways voice on this week's podcast. Also, thanks earlier to Paul Boss and thanks to Adrian for joining me on this week's programme as always. Thank you for listening to this Highways Voices. Don't forget, we'll be bringing you another edition next Wednesday. But in the meantime, keep an eye out for your daily briefing in your inbox every lunchtime with all you need to know about the highways and transport technology industries. Sign up at highways-news.com and we'll talk again next week. Highways Voices. Join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry. 